Why don't we start with how you got into real estate and why you knew it was for you? Yeah, so I guess the main thing was people always ask this and I'm like, I didn't really plan it. It was more like, so I was looking to pretty much make some side income. I got, let's say I graduated in 2019, probably like a few months after I started my full-time job. I was mm -hmm. like, there's no way I'm going to be doing this for 40 years. Like, What was I mean, the full-time job? Full-time job was as an engineer um, mm -hmm. down here at one of the oil companies. Um, and like, it was challenging and I liked it to begin with, but I just, you know, waking up at like 5 a.m. and then not getting home till like 6 p.m. I was like, there's just no way I can do this for 40 years. Started looking at just everything like e-commerce, flipping websites, just something to make money. Mm -hmm. um, real estate kept coming up. And so uh at the time i why well, didn't have any money and i still don't have any money but what i did was i got started with house hacking that i talk about on, on twitter as well um so yeah i got started with the duplex that i rent out the other side in i was like yeah mm -hmm. this is great you know it just makes sense like people need somewhere to live um just really kind of stuck with me and then from there i was like well how do i because so i bought my duplex new construction i was like how do i be on the other side of the closing table because you know the builder you know, probably make like 60 80k off me i was like it would be nice yeah. to be on his side so um yeah it's kind of how i got started and now just raising money to continue to do deals so you're primarily a builder correct yeah i, I would yeah i guess a developer because i'm not actually building it i don't know how to build um, <laughs> but uh yeah more or less okay so why building or why developing over say flipping or yeah like yeah that. so are you familiar with bigger pockets at all i've heard of them never uh done the had the pleasure of listening to them yeah 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 not a big deal just they always talk about flipping on there so just asking um but that's kind of how i got when like when i was getting into real estate that's what i was listening to full time and so i was looking at flipping but it's couldn't make the numbers work down here like when yeah. you had a high gc you had to get a construction loan all the holding costs it just it didn't make sense and so that's when i started looking at building I was like, okay, there's some profit margin here. Um, let me dig into this more. And then, yeah, here we are. So uh, a fully developed house versus a plot of land in Houston, how how much would they be going for? Just um, Yeah, so fully, I guess the duplexes that I, originally when I was running the numbers on new construction duplexes, they were selling at like 300, 300,000. Um, and then a, a plot of land back when I started, like last, like, I don't know, year and a half ago, you buy a 5,000 square foot lot for about 40 grand. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so the, the numbers made just a bit more sense. And so, yeah, how long have you been developing now? Uh, well, I guess technically just finished my first one, but like in terms of when I started, like, mm -hmm. like August or September of 2020. So, are you, are you at all part of the architect architecture design like does engineering help you at all in this no not at all no um yeah not at all i guess only way it maybe helps is like i feel comfortable underwriting the numbers but in terms of like engineering from a structural standpoint no not really um yeah so i mean i i work with the architect and civil engineer to they handle everything but i'm just kind of giving my input like hey i want this number of bedrooms open kitchen floor plan, things like that. But I'm not actually doing any of the engineering. So what have you kind of learned is, uh, is helpful for networking, just finding leads and so on? Yeah, I mean, so I, 
I guess when like you get on wholesaler lists. So for example, here in Houston, there's like a real estate Facebook group. So I get on, I get, in, I go into those groups and look at what wholesalers or realtors are having deals, and I'll kind of shoot them a message saying, "Hey, you know, anytime you get some land in this area, feel you know, shoot me a message. I'm definitely interested in interested in it." Um, and then from there, like they'll send me, they'll just put me on their, their list and they'll kind of mass market. Like they'll send a bunch of random stuff. I'm like, I didn't ask for that. Um, that's what I think in my head. But like what I actually tell them is like, Hey, this is the reason why what you sent me doesn't work for me. Um, but you know, if you get any land in that area, please, you know, let me know. So I think that's what helped kind of networking is like, just reply back to the wholesalers, realtors, like when something doesn't work and just let them know why it doesn't work. That kind of. I think it shows them you're a little bit more serious and actively looking to to buy. Did you uh, find your partners online as well? Is that a, how you found your first lead? Yep. So my first partner investor that came in was through a Facebook group. Um, uh, I think it was one of the bigger pockets Facebook groups, and there was like an apartment Facebook group that uh, I found one in. So yeah, just through there, never met yeah. the guy. And I assume that your pockets were very deep at that point so what what was it about you other than your i guess your knowledge that reeled him in oh i was completely broke i guess for for clarity when i closed on my duplex in april of 2020 i maybe had three grand in the bank i mean mm -hmm. i had no money um matter of fact i closed on the duplex in april but my lease that i was that i had you know for my apartment where i was living previously was up in august um so i had like three months of rent to still pay while paying my mortgage and so I had to put the rent on my credit card because I couldn't afford to come out of pocket for both. So long story short, like, you know, not having money is not an excuse because like I, I'll still, I still made it happen either way. But um, in addition to that, it was like how good of the deal it was. That's really what sold the investor. It was like, again, because I had no experience. I had no money. They're like, why would I even, why would I give you anything, right? Like it's, it's completely <laughs> risky to me. Um, but again, I was like, listen, don't look at me, focus on the deal. If you can make 30, 40%, then, um, and let's say like I'm completely wrong, maybe, or let's say I'm projecting 30, 40% and I'm completely wrong and you only make 20, you know, you're still doing okay. You got so margin for error. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of margin for error. So, uh, yeah, real estate's asset heavy. You're not very liquid at, at most times. I would, yeah. So Never. I guess speaking about that, like, what would you say is the most enjoyable and the, and the biggest pain in the ass when it comes to developing? Yeah. So enjoyable. Um, I mean, it's always cool to, you know, see, like when I first saw that project finished, like that was like a huge sigh of relief. Cause I was like, I don't know, I was just paranoid. It was going to burn down or something. Um, but I guess throughout the deal, like I like underwriting deals, I like finding deals. Um, so I guess I'm almost like a deal junkie. It's like, when I see a piece of land or whatever it is and I get to underwrite it, Hey, this makes sense. Let's buy it. Um, the pain in the ass is, Right now, managing the contractors, um, and I think everyone has the same pain in the ass. Because they, uh, you just don't know what you're going to get with them, or yeah, I mean, it's like um, they're kind of on in their own lanes. Like right now, like I'm actually in the process of potentially firing mine, um, <laughs> just just because again, I don't think he's not a bad person, but like he just he gets wrapped up with his other projects and pushes mine to the back burner. You know, even uh -huh. though we have a contract of like, hey, you're supposed to finish it within six months. That just kind of gets tossed out the window and he just kind of does it when he feels like it um so there's that um so i think to really be efficient i'm thinking i probably have to start being my own gc and start you know handling oh. some projects myself but um 
Huh. We'll get there one day. Would you uh, ever consider having a company on like a horizontally vertebrate your your company or integrate your company? Yeah, so that would be the goal once I get big enough. Um, and I'm realizing that's what I'm trying to do now. Like that's why I've tried to scale up. Like we've purchased a bunch of lots and my goal was to keep having a GC that can knock them out. That way I can just focus on finding deals, which is you know what I like and what I'm probably ha halfway decent at. Um, yeah. But yeah, it looks like you're going to have to, or I'm going to have to start managing the, my own projects and start bringing everything in house just so stuff gets done on time. Would you say that there's uh, there's any metrics that you really look out for? Just like the first thing that you, like you, you check on a new listing that would totally be a deal breaker if, if it was off? Yeah, for me um, in Houston, like if it's in a flood zone, it's automatic no. Um, so okay. not matter what the price was, I mean, I think mm -hmm. I was kind of, this was kind of dumb by me, but back when I was first buying land, I could get like, lot like lots where i'm buying now five minutes away from me but they were in a flood zone and people mm -hmm. were offering them to me for like 10 grand 15 grand and i should have just bought them but i was like oh no it's in a flood zone so that i look i regret a little bit but um uh now it's now prices have ran up so much it's not worth it but yeah so for me non-flood zone um also like i go and check it on google maps so if there's like one there's one property I was going to buy a few few months ago with an investor. Um, the price looked good, numbers looked good, and then I looked it up on Google Maps. It was backed up against like a compressor station. There's a bunch of like compressed can compressed cans, um, like those big old oxygen tank ones that you see in like a hospital. It was like Ford is like a whole I don't know if it's a holding facility or what it was, but there was like literally 300 of them just sitting there. And then we realized that the owner of that property was selling the land and so that so it made sense like yeah they're they're connected but so yeah so, something like that that's just super bizarre commercial stuff that's like very unattractive um mm -hmm. yeah so yeah i'd say those are two things like really bizarre things and then flood zone yeah and then i don't know if you got used to things how things were ran pre-covid but now has have you noticed that there's like a noticeable difference in your processes every day like just online you know like anything you feel like it's changed permanently or just temporarily um i guess for me personally or just like with the market or what do you think uh let's let's just go with both first first personally yeah um i guess personally they, they had a good thing on twitter about this today i don't know if you read chris powers annual letter but um he tweeted it out today and one of the things he said is like you need to be willing to pay the new price um, so that's, that's something that I think it's, it's kind of both personal and market, um, in the sense where it's like the market has ran up so much in the past 12 months. Like mm -hmm. if you're going to try and buy deals at what you were buying stuff pre COVID, you're not going to get anything yeah. done. Um, so be willing to pay that new price as long as the numbers make sense. Um, processes. I mean, I, this is something I really need to work on. Like I'm, I'm going to, I guess one of my goals is to hire a VA to kind of help automate, not automate, but handle some like the bookkeeping and just stuff that I really don't really enjoy doing. And it's yep. like kind of a low ROI on my time. So um, yeah, so long story short, personally, I haven't really done much differently, but I should. And I'm feeling that inflation, man. Like I live in Toronto where one bedroom goes for $800,000. Goodness gracious uh yeah so uh, it, it, we're waiting for the bubble to burst to all the people my age but then now we're getting that fear of missing out 
it's just thinking, you know, like a population increase is increasing and uh, it's tough. Yeah, I got some bad news for you. I don't, I don't know if it's going to pop anytime soon. Uh -huh. Yeah, it'd just be temporarily, if anything, right? So uh, yeah. do you have any uh, any other markets you're looking at? Any visions for like five years down the road, maybe a city that looks like it's got good growth? Yeah, I mean, I haven't been too much. There, There's a, I, I think really anything in the south of the U.S., like you can't really go wrong. Um, for now, I'm sticking with Houston because, I mean, everywhere in Texas is hot, but like Houston, I know a little bit more in depth right so because i live here but yeah. um so that would be my concern with going to another market is like i don't know if i can i don't know how to gain that like unfair advantage that i do in houston um because yeah I, you can tell me an address and i'll say hey you know go or no go like kind of within a, a minute or two mm -hmm. and i think it would take a long time to, to get that going um in another market i think you got to find new contractors so i just haven't really explored it yeah so you have uh, 12 lots right now all beside each other in the subdivision kind of no so um we just closed on our 19th lot but they're all kind of they're within like a square i don't know maybe they're all within like a five minute drive so none of them uh -huh. uh, maybe like one of them are next to each other but yeah none of them are next to each other um what happened was there's basically there's this neighborhood south of houston or it's it's like maybe 15 minutes south of downtown a bunch of old homes got knocked down like within the past 20 years or so because they were falling down no one took care of them so they took no one took care of them so the city knocked them down and now now they're just vacant infill lots um so that's kind of that's how i so people ask me like if i'm doing teardowns but no they're all they've all been like vacant when we bought them so there was something very i assume attractive about the area what was that yep Yep. So um, it kind of meets all my criteria. So it's it's non-flood. Um, it's within 15, 20 minutes of downtown. It's close to the Texas Medical Center, the largest universe or medical center, I think, in the world, potentially. I know it's in the U.S. Um, we're like 10 minutes from there, um, 10 minutes from three universities. Um, there's profit margin if we sell and then if we have to refinance and cash flow, if we have to refinance and rent and refinance, then I know it'll cash flow. So um, yeah, just checks all the boxes. That's why they've all been there. Uh, how would you say like the Houston market compares to Dallas, San Antonio, Austin? I guess Austin's growing fastest, but yeah. Yeah, so yeah, Austin's probably gonna get towards Toronto area in the wow. sense where like, yeah, I mean, st stuff's gonna start costing like six, 700. I mean, stuff already costs six, 700, but like kind of like Toronto in the sense where the entry level stuff is now going to start being something crazy. Um, Dallas is, if I had to rank them in order, I would say Austin in terms of like hottest market and like most room for appreciation. I'd say Austin, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio. Um, so Dallas is a little bit hotter than Houston, but Austin is still hotter than um, Dallas. And then San Antonio is kind of like, kind of like on par with Houston in the sense where yeah, people invest there and it's hot, but just it's not as hot as uh, as Austin and San Antonio, Austin which, and Dallas. Uh, which is actually the largest like urban metropolitan area, area like, out of the three cities? Houston by far. Um, Houston's okay. the fourth largest in the nation. Um, but then, yeah, I'd probably go in terms of like population. I think it's Houston, Dallas. Uh, I don't know, San Antonio. San Antonio is probably bigger than Austin. Yeah, so I think 
uh, I don't know. But yeah, Houston is number one for sure. Dallas is number two for sure. And then three and four is probably Austin and, and San Antonio. And I know in Texas you have the zero income tax. Is, is there anything that you have over, say, New York uh, for developers, like with, with ads, like legislation, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so it's like in Houston, there's no zoning. So it's uh, obviously much easier to build here than in New York or California or anywhere. Um, now, Austin has some pretty strict. The thing, I think people think that Texas is like all one thing, like the permitting timelines in Austin, Houston could not be more different. Like you're going to pay probably almost 10 times the amount to get a, the same house permitted in Austin than you do in Houston. And it's going to take you like triple the time. Um, so overall, Texas is better, but I guess you just have to be careful um, depending on what city you're in, that the permitting is going to be very different. If uh, Texas fell off the face of the planet and you ended up in another state, which one would it be? Um, probably North Carolina. I think wow. that's probably the hottest market, potentially like, in the U.S. Like Raleigh and that kind of area? Yeah, Charleston. Was that South Carolina? Uh, Raleigh, North, no, Virginia. Raleigh's in North, but it's Charleston. Huh. I don't know if it's in North or South. In the North Carolina, yeah, somewhere up there. Um, oh, Charlotte? Between, yeah, Charlotte. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, so Charlotte's probably, if I had to pick like an exact city, probably be charlotte um number two would probably be somewhere in arizona in terms of like hottest markets and mm -hmm. if i had all the money in the world you know, that's probably where i would be just you mean by a, a good entry point now but looking good in the next five ten years is that what you mean exactly yeah, exactly. yeah okay okay so just one last question for you uh if i if you were a new agent what would be the first thing with all the the knowledge you have now what would be the first thing you do to kind of kickstart your career or if you were um, just in real estate? A new agent? Sorry, if you just got into real estate, you were reaching out to developers, you're looking for investors, maybe you just started with a new company, what would be the first thing you'd do to boost your, uh, just kickstart your career a little bit? Yeah, so I, I think one thing I'm glad I did do was buy that first duplex to house hack. Um, again, it, it didn't, you, I, you still have no like relevant experience to developing, but it gave the investors a little confidence, like, okay, he at least bought something, right? He's at least closed on a property. So I would say first things first is kind of get your foot in the door with some sort of single family duplex, something you can house hack. Now you're in Toronto, so that may be different. But um, aside from that, it would be sharing on social media. That's probably the highest ROI you, me, or anyone can do. No um, cost, yeah. Yep, no cost. Um, yeah, I mean, so now like the past like six of my deals have all come from Twitter investors. And I haven't reached out to any of them. They have all reached out to me. And so that's how powerful it is. Like, even if you're yeah. not looking for them, if you like just share about what you're doing, what you're like, how you think that's, mm -hmm. that's enough for them to get on board. So, yeah. So yeah, your public credibility was already there before you even really totally started, which is great. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I got lucky that, uh, I wish Twitter was around when I first started, I would have owned half of Houston by now. Because I was going <laughs> to try and buy up everything. But yeah, I mean, yeah, just again, you don't have to be, I think people get intimidated. Like I get, in, I was intimidated first. Like I was sitting, I was kind of a lurker on Twitter for like a good year. Because um, I was like, dang, Moses and Chris Powers and, and Sweaty Startup, they're doing $100 million deals. And I'm over here trying to buy a, a duplex for 200000 So yeah. I was like very intimidated. But then it was like, 
okay, there's a lot of people in my position or like maybe a few steps behind behind me that want to know, like they don't like Moses and Chris Powers, what he started up, they're all like way up here. And I'm, I, they, they want someone who's at all levels, I guess is what I'm getting at. They want to gotcha. see all levels of the spectrum. So no matter where you're at, um, there's a guy on Twitter now, I don't, I forgot his name, but he's like a multifamily broker. He's like 22 or something. He just shares like how much, how many people he's cold called. Like, again, like really basic stuff. That's mm-hmm. not even, doesn't really, he's not showing how much money he's making or closing deals, just what he's doing. And he's got a bunch of people following him now. So just something yeah. like that would be a good ROI on your time. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Anytime, Have a great man. one, man. Bye. Yeah, you too.